Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So here's this week's teaching. So we're uh, continuing on in this uh, summer series uh, entitled, Oh Love That Will Never Let Me Go. Today's installment will become clear uh, in due course. But uh, have you ever heard of a wadi? Any folks that have studied uh, Middle Eastern geography, there are wadis over there. In fact, this one, this is a wadi. It's uh, in Oman, and uh, what a wadi is is a dried-up riverbed, okay? Um, and, uh, you know, so you can hike at, at certain times of the year, although I don't know what the attraction of hiking in such a, a barren place would be. I like trees and water, and uh, there are pretty much is neither here. Now, question, have you ever felt like, felt like a wadi in dry season? You ever felt like one? Um, are you thirsty? You know, um, when we leave to go somewhere, uh, not just to the grocery store, but um, on a longer drive, Beth will always say, oh, I forgot to bring a bottle of water. I'm so parched. You got to stop and get me a bottle of water. Well, I got it for free at home, but, but you know, you got to cough up a couple of bucks in a store. But, but you know, uh, for love for my, my darling, uh, of course I stop without the slightest bit of, uh, you know, uh, attitude. You, you, you believe me, don't you? But, but are, are, are you ever uh, feeling like this? Just thirsty and parched uh, spiritually. Uh, not just physically. Now, now this is what happens to wadis when the rains come. Um, you know, I don't know if that's the same wadi. I'm just using Google Images. I tried to find the same one, but uh, but it doesn't matter because this is what happens um, if when the rains come, uh, as they do uh, in that part of the world, probably pretty infrequently. But when the rains come, uh, often. Uh, there's a risk of flash flooding, and, um, and that happens. And, and there's no way to stop one of these flash floods uh, once it happens, and people have, have perished. Uh, cars have been uh, sort of submerged uh, when the uh, wadis flash flood. Now, dangerous as this uh, looks and, and is, at least now there's water. A little too much, but at least there's water. Uh, and water, as you know, sustains life. Now, where my current um, home away from home is, at uh, Pittock Conservation, living in our RV, living the dream, you know, until our, our uh, new place is ready, having sold our, our house here, uh, there are dams uh, that are set up. Um, the Upper Thames Conservation Authority has one at Piddock, one at Fanshawe Lake, and one at um, that place on number seven uh, near St. Mary's, uh, Wildwood. And, and dams like this, I mean, they control the flow of water. They manage the, the, the levels in this man-made Piddock Lake. Uh, so, you know, uh, you can enjoy recreation, and uh, I got my... Uh, my kayak, uh, aptly named the Titanic II, um, which I haven't sunk in yet, but I'm sure it'll happen. But, but here's, here's a question. Is the love of God 
in your experience, something like that, that a dam could control? Or is it more like a flooding wadi, bringing the water of life where there is dry, parched deadness? What do you think? My money uh, is on the flood, but without the danger. Uh, however overwhelming it is when this love of God that comes like a river of life um, floods your heart and is felt in your heart. And so that's where we're going today. A love that will never let me go. Uh, and uh, today's topic, uh, today's segment is love that floods my heart. Have you ever experienced the love of God flooding not just trickling, not just trickle down, but, but flooding your heart. Well, this is uh, based on um, Romans 5, but just to uh, uh, start into Romans 5, which starts with a therefore. Uh, and so uh, we got to see what the therefore is doing there. And uh, so the summary statement at the end of Romans 4 reads this way, we believe in the one who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was handed over, obviously to death, uh, because of our trespasses. One of the standard words for sin in the, in the Bible, trespasses, we're lawbreakers. Uh, and um, he was put to death on account of uh, our trespasses. He who never trespassed. Um, the will and purposes and plans and um, laws of God. He never, trans- he never tra- transgressed them, but he did update them. You've heard that it was said, but I say unto you. Uh, so there was an updating, uh, but uh, he was not a transgressor. And then it says he was raised because of, or in order to affect, our justification. And uh, that this idea of justification is to be um, declared to be in the right before the law court of God. God is the judge. We're guilty. And in Jesus, we are put into a new status of being on the right side of the court. In the right. No longer subject to... Um, the penalty do our sin uh, because he bore it. So the result is this, Romans 5 starts in. Your version may have therefore, which is perfectly appropriate. The result is this, since we have been declared in the right, that's what justification means, declared in the right on the basis of faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus the Messiah. So the first thing about the love that floods my heart is this, that it's the overflow of my status in Jesus. My status. This is not the overflow of, well, now I'm all righteous and good. Your justification in Jesus doesn't um, mean that you are now in yourself all righteous and good. But your status now as one who is in Christ, um, is his status. And he is the sinless one. He is the just and righteous one. And so in him, we're declared to be on the, in the right, 
on the basis of faith. So it's a status of being in the right in the estimation and judgment of the court. Now, there's no metaphor, no one metaphor that can fully uh, capture the essence of our salvation. This is, this is one of them. This is the metaphor of the law court. And, and so before the court of ju- God's justice, in our, own, in our own selves, we're found guilty. But hey, wait, there is one in whom we find full representation. We have one who has, as they call it, standing before the court. You know, the Supreme Court sometimes has to decide whether they're going to take a case, and they can say, no, um, you have no standing, or your, your case, your lawyer, whoever, whatever, has no standing before this court. Well, Jesus has standing before the court, and in him um, we've been found uh, to be in the right. Uh, He has standing before the Supreme Court of the universe. We're declared in the right in Him. We're justified in Him, to use the more theological word. And it's on the basis of faith. Faith in, in what? In His being found in the right before the judge. Because uh, He faithfully uh, met the demands of God's covenant. And... um, He took our sins, and now we stand in His faithfulness. So it's all about a new status. Now, it is hoped. It is to be hoped. And there is no end running this, that this new status begins to work itself out in us as the Holy Spirit does His work. Uh, But this is about a new status, which which now puts us in a position now of being at peace with the court. And, and this is not here uh, just the feeling of peace. Am I cracking in and out? Uh, no? Okay. Um, I just felt myself, uh, you know, go loud. Um, you probably didn't notice. Yeah, but, but, but this is not at this point the feeling of peace. Now that's a great thing. And uh, we may well feel the peace, but this is not about the feeling, but about the state of peace that is now ours in and through Jesus. And so as a result of that, what do we have? Now in and through Him, we have free access. Um, Through Him, we've been allowed to approach. Your version probably has the word access. And what what is the access to? Access to God? Well, um, of course, but that's not what it says. It's access uh, by faith into the grace, into the experience of, the unpacking of, all that the grace of God releases in our lives. How many of you are tech savvy like me? (laughs) Well, you don't want to be tech savvy like me. I was born in the wrong half of the wrong century. But, but, you know, um, I'm kind of getting on to it. I have a uh, CRA account. I now have a Service Canada account. And now what they want you to do is this two-step verification thing. So it's not good enough to just identify yourself. You have to uh, ask for, um, it could come by a text or a phone call, an access code. You're familiar with that? Yeah. So every time I want to see you know, what's going on in one of those accounts. I get a text with a one-time access code. And what that then does is lets me in on all the relevant information 
that I need to know in order to uh, stay just uh, far enough out in front of the government they don't catch up to me, you know what I mean? Um, but but we're, we're accustomed to that. So this idea of access, access to God, well, of course, but it's access here to this grace of God in, w- in which we can stand strong, we can stand fearless, uh, we can stand boldly, um, knowing that... Uh, his grace is sufficient. It's a gift to us. We, we uh, are able to live in it, live into it, and live life out from this status and access. And of course, uh, if, if we're in our right hearts and minds, this, this should lead to celebration, shouldn't it? Not, not just to a, a cerebral increase in information. Hey, I'm all for cerebral increases in information. But um, celebration. When's the last time you had a great celebration? Well, you had you had one last week, Erica. You know, we're all we're all jealous, um, but um, but that's good. And and so um, we celebrate. It says, "What do we celebrate? We celebrate the hope of the glory of God, because we're standing strong in grace and fearless. We we have hope, don't we?" And uh, so the love that floods my heart first is, is, is the overflow of my status in Jesus. But, but now it moves on to being uh, out of that. The love that floods my heart is actually the outcome then of my endurance. You see, you have a status, but, but, but you're involved. You're up to your ears in involvement personally in this. And so... What does Paul say? He says, that's not all. (laughs) That's not all, folks. Right? He says, we also, we don't don't only celebrate the hope of the glory of God, but we celebrate, what? In our sufferings? Kidding, right? How many of you celebrate your sufferings? Of course you don't. Nor should you. But it doesn't say celebrate your sufferings. It says we celebrate in uh, or in the midst of our sufferings, uh, our trials, our pressures. I think the word here is that lovely daffy duck sounding word, slipsis, I think. Uh, and if it isn't, it should be. Ray's nodding. He's, he's just memorized the Greek of, uh, of this, and he, he, he's got it. And uh, thank you for the confirmation. But, but how in the world could we celebrate in the midst of the awful stuff? Well... It's because we know some things. <laughs> you know, we know some things. Well, what do we know? Well, we know that suffering produces, it says, patience, patient endurance. Uh, how do we know this? How do we know this? Is it just a cerebral, you know, two plus two equals four? Of course, that's the right answer. No, we, we know it because we're patiently enduring. At least as we stand in the grace to which we have access, we can, and hopefully we do. Who, who knew that could be done? Who knew? But we're doing it, just like Jesus did it. And his life is in us, and so we're doing it too, and, and we celebrate that, that, that no matter what is being thrown at us, and sometimes it's, it's awfully ugly stuff, we can choose to celebrate in the midst of our sufferings, because we know some things. What else do we know? We, we know that patience produces 
character, well-formed character, the character, attitudes, and behaviors of Jesus. How, how do we know that? Again, is this a cerebral um, you know, uh, thing? No, it's, uh, it's, it's happening in us. It's happening. The character and attitude, behaviors of Jesus are forming in us. Christ is being formed in us, to use Paul's language in Galatians. It's happening. Well, what else do we know? We know also, it says, that, that a character like that produces hope. Hope that looks ahead to the glory to be revealed in us when it's all said and done. That's a, that's a lot of stuff to know. But this is not just a knowing here, but a knowing in our everyday experience, the trajectory of our lives. And yeah, we have bad days, but as we walk in God, in His Spirit, it says this, this hope now, uh, there's something else we know. Hope does not disappoint us. Isn't that great? It uh, does not make us ashamed. Now, you see, we don't have to feel like idiots because we dare to hope uh, without sometimes any indication that that hope is well-grounded in the truth all around us that's staring us in the face and mocking us. Why do we hope without shame or disappointment? Well, it's because of what's happening in our hearts. That's why. It's because of what's happening in our hearts, in our subjective experience. Now, some people say, well, if something, uh, if something to be true and verifiable, it has to be objective. It has to be able to be um, observed and tested and all of that stuff, scientific method. Um, and that's, that's great. That's how truth is apprehended in the scientific realm and many others, but... Uh, is it any less true, uh, the subjective inner experience of a child of God who is literally feeling the love? Do we discount it because it's interior and not necessarily subject to scientific method style verification and peer review? Well, actually, the peer review comes from those who observe a life that is overflowing with the love of Christ, a life that refuses to be, um, when knocked down, gets up again, and, and so on. Now, it's not always at a super intense level. It says the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. And this is the, the language of flooding. You know? You might have felt like a wadi, but not anymore. The love of God. As the uh, overflow of your status in Jesus, and now as also the outcome of your endurance and the hope that is in you, and now this, this love is, being, uh, is flooding your hearts. Not always at super intense levels, but there are times of Holy Spirit-generated intensity that do happen, that make the run-of-the-mill days um, okay. So, no shame, no disappointment when it comes right down to it for us. And yeah, we have our moments, we have our days, sometimes our longer periods, but there is for us 
a pouring out of Holy Spirit love. As the Spirit in this way. You know, Romans 8 says, the Spirit bears witness to our spirits that we are God's children. Well, how does He do that? Could be a a gentle whisper within. And it could also be this. I think this is one of the power, powerful ways that this witness of the Spirit bearing witness with our spirits that, that, that we are children of God happens as this love of God floods us through the Spirit. This, this has been the experience of faithful followers and witnesses across generations. Beth, um, like me, likes free stuff. And uh, Huntley Street was um, offering a free book. It was supposed to be a three-in-one uh, books by Richard Wurmbrandt. Anybody heard of Wurmbrandt? He was a Romanian uh, pastor, evangelist. Um, he wrote a book entitled Tortured for Christ. And uh, let me just read you uh, one little piece from this. It was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners, as it is uh, today in other places. It it was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted their terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching and they were happy beating us. Everybody was happy. (laughs) Yeah. The following scene happened more times than I can remember. A brother was preaching to the other prisoners when the guards suddenly burst in, surprising him halfway through a phrase. They hauled him down the corridor to their beating room. After what seemed like an endless beating, they brought him back and threw him, bloody and bruised, on the prison floor. Slowly, he picked up his battered body, painfully straightened his clothing, and and, and said, Now, brethren... Where did I leave off when I was interrupted? How do you do that? How do you do that? But through the power and the overflowing love of God that floods our hearts. Quite a book. You haven't experienced maybe anything to that degree. But whatever you do, the same outcome is possible. And so this love that floods my heart then is the overwhelming gift of the Holy Spirit in us. Now, how many of you ever heard of this guy, Charles Finney? Um, his dates are like a long time ago. He was born, I think, uh, just shortly after the American Revolution. Uh, lived a long life. He was an American evangelist and revivalist. Now, I I would find myself not sharing all of his biblical theological uh, views or practice, but I do, for what it's worth, I do endorse what he experienced of the Spirit, which is similar yet different to what others have experienced when the Holy Spirit flooded their hearts um, you can read these experiences in any good book on revival. D.L. Moody has a testimony that's often shared. But, but this is, this is Finney's. And, and it, you know, it, it, it's true across the theological spectrum and across the centuries since Pentecost. People like this have experienced uh, the Spirit in a way that was 
absolutely transformative in their lives and ministries. Um, this is my book day, book club, Brian's book club. And, uh, you know, eat your heart out, Oprah. Um, but, but here's part of uh, Finney's testimony. Uh, he, re- he was returning one day from an interview and uh, he entered his office and without any preliminary expectation that such a moment should seize him, he remembers, as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like small print, uh, like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves, and waves of, here's the operative phrase, liquid love. Isn't that beautiful? For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings, No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. Uh, I I wept aloud with joy and love, and I do not know, but I should say I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushing of my heart. And it it goes on, and he finally said, God, I can't take anymore. Like, now I'm beginning to feel like uh, like a flash flood is happening, and I just, you know, I just need you to, you know... Uh, back off a little because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explode. Um, you know, fascinating. Um, so, now this is not a great picture of, of Mr. Finney. It looks like something that might have been in Darwin's uh, Origin of the Species perhaps. But, but the, point, the point is, um, this, this happened. Uh, it happened to others in different ways. And I wonder, has this in any way, shape, or form been your experience? You know? Yes? No? Maybe? Not, not sure? See, it's not the exact repetition rather, of experience that matters. Read the book of Acts and you'll find a variety of different experiences recorded of what happened when the Holy Spirit flooded hearts and lives. But the results end up being... Uh, pretty much the same. Loving boldness and witness. Increased intimacy with the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Great and increasing faith um, and perseverance in suffering. Great hope, which does not make us ashamed or disappointed because of this. So, um, you know, you could stop there, but it's impossible to stop there. Because the rest of these verses um, really ground this in the overcoming love of Jesus for us in real time. We have this new status. Yes, well, where'd that come from? We, we have this as an outcome of our endurance, but why can we endure? Uh, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, but, but how so? Well, it's because of the overcoming love of God, love of Jesus for us that took place in real time. And that's, that's the point of verses 6 to 11. Uh, it, it's, it's the finished work of Christ, the overcoming 
finished faithfulness of Jesus in dying and being raised and reigning that grounds this hope in concrete reality. Um, and, and so this love of Christ flooding your heart through the Holy Spirit is not just your overcharged emotional imaginations. And by the way, nothing wrong with emotion when it's grounded in truth. He says, this is all based on what Messiah did. While we were still weak, at that very moment, he died on behalf of the ungodly. See, our in, incapacitating weakness and ungodlikeness to do any, and you know, couldn't do anything about it. It's overcome by the overflowing, eternal, faithful love of God that draws us to the one who was lifted up on the cross. I, if I be lifted up, will draw all kinds of people to me, and he did. Those who are weak, incapacitated as far as an ability to do anything about their spiritual condition, their um, trespasser status, but he did. He died on behalf of the ungodly. And, uh, and it says this is how God demonstrates his own love. This is an out no demonstration. You want objective, here's the objective. Uh, the Messiah died for us when we were still sinners. So, we had a status, sinners. That's been overturned, overcome. Uh, how much more in that case, since we have been declared to be in the right by his blood, are we going to be saved by him from God's coming anger? Yeah, the fearful expectation of divine wrath. That's overcome and overturned, you see, because as his love, which ached for us, uh, told us what we needed to hear, um, we did what we needed to do, and uh, we turned from our sins. We turned to God, and now wrath is averted. And uh, in the language of Acts 3, times of refreshing have come and will sustain us right through to the coming age when it dawns. Uh, when we were enemies, you see, <laughs> we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. If that's so, how much more, having already been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So our status as enemies, it's overturned because in Jesus we're reconciled. Reconciled already when he died. God viewed you in him dying and his death was yours and the uh, acceptance of the sacrifice by God is yours and so reconciliation. It's a done deal. And uh, it's bought and paid for. And uh, activated. Oh, you have to activate it. The access code, you know, faith, turning to him, repenting, believing, and receiving him. There's the access code. Have you applied it? And, and this business then of being saved by his life, that's an important phrase. Brian Dirksen wrote a song years ago. Nobody sings it anymore. Uh, perhaps we should. Holiness is your life in me. Making me clean through your blood. Holiness is your fire in me, purging my heart like a flood. I know you're perfect in holiness. Your life in setting me free is setting me free, perhaps. Making me holy. Only the blood of Jesus covers all of my sin, but, but that's not all there is to salvation. Just having the sin covered. It's the life of Jesus in us that renews us from within. Your blood is enough. Your mercy is complete. Your work of atonement paid for my debts, making my holy. Yes, only by the blood of Jesus. But don't miss the important, 
importance of what Paul says and what Dirksen captures here in terms of the life of Jesus in us. Absolutely critical. We're saved not only by his death, but saved by his life. As his love is poured out, and now, then, through faith, through trust in him, we now experience the reality of this reconciliation. Now, what does it feel like to be reconciled in real time? Now, have you ever had times where there's, a, you know, there's been conflict and, and breakdown, and, and now there's reconciliation? What does it feel like, though, when it's withheld and conditions are imposed? It feels and is awful. No getting around it, but there are no conditions imposed here on one who is trusting in the completed work of, of Jesus who has reconciled us, whose life is, is in us, and uh, whose Spirit floods our hearts by the Spirit, God's free gift to us. So all of this, you see, is, is, is grounded and supported by the overcoming love of Jesus for us demonstrated in real time. In the real time of His time on earth, on the cross and resurrection, and now in our real time, the real time of our lives. So, so there it is. Wow, it's only 5 to 11. Is He done? Well, not quite. There's always more. But, but here's the question. Is this your lived reality? Um, I said that uh, you know, the love that flows and floods cannot be damned. I said that, but, but let me walk that back just a wee bit because people's hearts can become hardened. You know, perhaps your heart has been hardened by things beyond your control inflicted on you over time, and maybe life has taught you that, you know, um, I can't trust anyone. I question everything. You know, beyond the normal questioning of things. You see, the last thing you need from, uh, is, is another lecture from the lectern. Uh, just telling you, just, you know, just smarten up. Get with the program. That's the last thing you need if that's your reality. But you know, um, if I may gently say, asking a question or two is not lecturing. It's just asking, especially if it's motivated by love uh, for you. So the question uh, comes, honestly, how's, how's it all working for you? Uh, do you think that something like this passage describes could ever actually happen for you? Or happen again? Because there's nothing to say that that's just a one-off and you just don't, you know, you get your one shot and that's it. No, no. Well, you know, consider this. You've trusted Jesus for salvation, right? You might not trust anybody else. You might question everything else, but you've trusted Jesus for salvation. Well, why not get in on everything that's included? Uh, you're already planning on going to heaven. Why not let heaven get more into, your, uh, into you while still on earth? You know? Why not? And, and can you risk, if you're not, can you risk trusting the eternal faithful love that's drawing you that's protecting you that tells you what you need to know love that sometimes aches for you a love that has befriended you and that actually serves you and now would flood your heart like living life-giving uh, water well there it is now one last look 
one last look, but make it count. Hope doesn't disappoint or make ashamed because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now, um, question. If you ask for bread, will Heavenly Father give you a rock? I read this somewhere, I think. Or if you ask for fish and chips, will He give you snake and potatoes? Will He? And the potatoes will be rotten. Can you trust that your Father gives good gifts? And if so, as Jesus said, I just remembered the source of these words, as Jesus said, will He not give the Holy Spirit in fullness to those who ask Him, especially who have already been justified and declared to be on the right side of God's uh, uh, law court? and who have access by faith to all the grace gifts that are now ours for the asking. So, will you ask? And if you do, may you receive in overflowing abundance. Because that's our God. His gifts are good. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com, or on Facebook. Just search for Aylmer EMC.